In today's episode of Animation Aficionados, we'll be talking about our upcoming series, The Listeners Fight Back. Also, we will be talking about Derpygate with guests Kitty Hawk and Thomas Rivore. After that, we'll move on to a bonus topic about console RPGs. Hello, and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, I'm your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, he's Mr. Neil. I slaughter it like animals. Ever since I started this show, I always said, uh, if you disagree with us, tell us and let us know, and you can uh, you know, defend your choices and your opinions on the show. And now we've actually got enough people responding back saying, hey, we disagree with you about this, and how can you say that, and other absurd things, and we're going to let them come on the show and um, defend themselves. And I think what we're going to do is we're also going to let people come on who hate shows that we love, because I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to meet people who have no souls and hate stuff like Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) You could ask them questions like, what was it like growing up without a soul? What was it like having low standards? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we already have uh, the crap man in the can, and uh, pretty soon we're going to also have Teen Titans in the can, and they both deserve both. to be in the can. <laughs> yeah. And, well, well, there's many other shows that we hate. That, uh, well, hate's a strong word. But shows of low quality, of, of universally agreed low quality. <laughs> that you might love. And... Uh, just today on YouTube, uh, there was a guy who who was uh, making comments about how the Fox X-Men series was great, even though the writing was bad and the animation was bad. And how one arrives at that, I'll never know. <laughs> you know, he admitted that to me. He's like, oh, the writing's bad and the animation's bad, but this show's still good. And I'm like, wait, that's all the show is? <laughs> I mean, unless you have Rod Julia acting his heart out, I mean, how could you get good out of that? Yeah, and, uh, well, let's see here. We obviously hate the crap, man. Teen Titans, uh, most things animated with Flash, unless someone on the team's named McCracken. <laughs> or Foss. Obviously, yes. And, uh, let's see, there's many others we hate. Uh, let's see here. Hi, hi, Puffy Amigumi, obviously in the Flash window. Who would be stupid enough to defend that? I don't know, someone who would defend Teen Titans? That's true. <laughs> so I took your wind out of that sails, huh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, there's many others. Uh, the Fox X-Men series, we already had someone kind of defend that when we had Blanchard on with the X-Men side-by-side. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think that he even proved the point when he said that Evolution was better for a new fan to watch. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else? Uh, the Fox Spider-Man series, you know, we hate that. Good God. And I know people who just love that show, and, you know, that whole show was like Marvel Marvel Animation doing the numbers again, you know what I mean? You know, l- let's just do Spider-Man, we're going to do everything that was already done with Spider-Man, but do it again. That show was, like, castrated, I don't I don't know how else to describe it. it. There were so many things that should have been in that cartoon that they couldn't do, you know, like, have real guns, have actual fighting. Have drama. What? I mean, what what did they do? Did, I think the fighting was mostly just the characters pushing each other. Yeah, they grab each other's shoulders and just you know it's it's like a wrestling hold and they're just pushing each other. I mean, it's sad it's sad when a, when you can watch a, like a wrestling on TV and that has more violence. <laughs> and that's all just stuntmen like you know just throwing each other around and having storylines about uh, about you know they took my job and someone stole my hat. Yeah. And uh, and the evil McMahon family. It's 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 kind of sad, really, that that you that you could actually look at wrestling. You know, 
WCW, whatever the hell they call it now. And it has, it had a higher quality of writing and violence than the Fox X, the Fox X-Men and Fox Spider-Man series. Well, as someone who was watching wrestling at that time in the early 90s, uh, yeah, it was definitely better than the, than the, uh, than the Fox X-Men and Fox Spider-Man cartoon. Neil's calling you out, bros. <laughs> and that's WWF and WCW. Can you smell what the Neil's cooking? Oh, he came later. I don't know. I don't watch wrestling. Well, I won't, I won't fault anyone on watching wrestling. It's really not worth watching now, and I would fault anyone who watches it today. <laughs> Like you told anyone who watches the Fox uh, Spider-Man series and goes, this is great. Yeah. I just have to ask. Okay, obviously, you can come on the show if you want to defend it. We will We will be glad to have you on. We'll be courteous. We'll be polite. But there are better shows. You, you, you can't even use the whole, well, it's the only thing that's on, so I'm going to I'm gonna say it was okay anyways. But no, there were better shows on at that same time. Yes, there were. <laughs> I don't get it, Neil. Uh, what was that show with the guy in the black cape and the, the bat ears on his cowl? What was that guy's name again? Well, uh, he dressed like a bat. He was a little bit like a man. Yeah. Yeah. It was an animated uh, serial kind of show, maybe even a series even. Kind of kind of harkened back to the uh, to the Fleischer Superman cartoons. God, what was the name of that show? I don't know, but I think that kind of revolutionized everything except for Marvel who stuck their thumbs in their ears and went, la, la, la. We're going to do this the exact same way we did G.I. Joe. Except without those uh, Sunbow Riders. <laughs> except without Toei helping us. And without the Sunbow Riders. I mean, who was who were the riders on the Fox Spider-Man series? I, I'm actually curious now. I'm going to wiki this. I'm... I'm going to guess that they had some of the same guys. I'm sure they had David Wise. I'm sure they had... Oh, David Wise. Wow. I'm sure they had Ron Friedman. Uh, Wow. By the way, Ron Friedman was penciled in as the writer of a Transformers movie, but that was due to a contractual uh, uh, agreement. I don't think he wrote one word of that movie. List of Spider-Man 1994 episodes. Okay. Okay. Gary Conway. Oh, wow. Stan Berkowitz wrote one-third of the first episode. Wow. And a couple of other episodes of Stan Berkowitz, everyone. Uh, Marv Wolfman wrote one third of Menace of Mysterio. He's listed, this is, the list of writers isn't terrible. Oh wow, that's, that's kind of crappy. The alien costume. It says that it gives Len Wein, Stan Berkowitz, uh, Meg McLaughlin, and John Semper writing credits, but it gave A.V. Arad and Stan Lee story credits. I'm like, you're just copying the alien costume story from the comics. Uh, God. Okay, I see Douglas Booth in here a lot. Yeah, Doug Booth's a, a Sunbow writer. John Semper. He he was very faithful to that show. Not funny. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I made a Marine Corps joke and no one got it. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, yeah. John Semper was. Um, yeah, John Semper, he worked with people like Stan Lee and George Lucas, so you just know that's kind of... Wow, Day of the Chameleon got an Annie Award in 1995 from Spider-Man the Animated Series. I saw that episode. That episode was not that good. Yeah, but, you know, we don't try to use accolades like the Annie Awards or Daytime Emmys as proof of quality on this show because, you know, love him or hate him, Matt Groening correctly pointed out that most awards for animation are crap. 
Oh, I think most award shows are crap in general. But but uh, in Groening's point, uh, Groening, you know, producer, executive producer of The Simpsons and Futurama, you know, he was very involved in one Futurama episode about prize dog Seymour. The episode was called Jurassic Bark. It was a very heartwarming tale. It was one of those really sad episodes. It's would show the strength of a show like Futurama, where it's a completely wacky, unrealistic, futuristic uh, setting, and then they do an episode that like pulls your heartstrings. And Jurassic Bark lost in in an award ceremony to a Simpsons episode that Groening himself said was inferior to Jurassic Bark in every way possible. And the Simpsons episode in question was about uh, one of Marge's sisters having a gay wedding. And that's pretty much, uh, Groening pretty much says that's pretty much exactly why that won an Emmy. According to Wikipedia, Wikipedia article is giving John Semper, like, sole, uh, sole credit for the majority of the show. And I actually see his name in there a lot. And, uh, and I love, I love how ambiguous this Wikipedia article is. You know, just read the first paragraph. And the ambiguity is, is beautiful because it won't even say, it will even you see it gives John Semper Jr. all this credit, and it's not even giving Nelson Shin any credit or his studio Acom. Well, that's not unusual that he oversees studio credit. But but read it gives TMS credit, and they only did like two episodes for this whole show. Oh, I see. What you're... Yeah, TMS with Korean studios, uh, more like Acom with with uh, one Tokyo studio. Because if you're talking about percentages for the Fox Spider-Man series, that's what it is. Wow. Do you see it, Neil? Yeah. Well, they did use TMS footage in a lot of episodes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the same footage. They ran that best master of, of those of those scenes to the ground by the end of that show. Because they had like a lossless master, but the master was like on videotape. So they kept on like looping it and using it over and over again and it's on video. It's not digital because they weren't using digital yet. So by the end of the run, there's lots of those scenes that were really well animated that they kept on reusing over and over again. Got a little, um, you know, got a little artifacty. Right. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Got a little artifacty. So let's see here to, to move away from the Marvel age. I mean, basically anyone who wants to defend any part of the Marvel age of animation, come on the show. You're a fool. <laughs> And we pity the fool. But, uh, let's see, what else is there? Um, we, we mentioned Teen Titans, which has already got a defender, a defender coming on, mm-hmm. which is going to be glorious. Cause he will be getting the elbow drop of doom. The Cobra Clutch. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll be, uh, you know, any show that we poo pooed, it's, uh, it, it's all wide open. Any movies we poo pooed, wide open. I don't know, Neil. What's another show that we poo-pooed that people might be upset about? Oh, yeah. We never did an episode formally on it, but if someone wants to defend Family Guy... Uh-oh. I think I know who might want to defend Family Guy. Who? <laughs> She's our favorite guest. <laughs> well, you know what? That'll be that'll be a very polite episode. <laughs> because because Kitty Hawk at least admits, you know, and that's why it's good when we say something that's a detriment. It, 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 you, you know what I mean? If someone likes badness like a corny kind of badness i mean that's one thing it's a completely other thing if you're the kind of person that would uh i'm trying to think of the nicest way to say this but if you're the kind of person that, that watches something that is so god-awfully bad like uh 
the Teen Titans episode, the Titans East Part Two with Brother Blood, where uh, Neil gave his biggest bullshit of all time. I think some people in the lower hemisphere heard it <laughs> and and say, "This is good." It did shake the earth when I said that. This is bullshit. <laughs> oh yes, that episode was so bad, and and if it's a show Neil hasn't seen before, um, be be well aware, people. I am forcing Neil to watch these shows, and uh, Neil is not appreciating it. So if <laughs> if you actually want to defend a show that's really bad, and you you know that it might be considered an, um, in in your mind an eclectic taste, you, you should be well aware that I'm forcing Neil to watch this, and Neil probably doesn't share your same eccentricities. <laughs> and he's going to be pretty upset with you. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Just like I said, just email us and uh, we will put you on the roster. But again, if you hate shows that we love, you know, come on in. And uh, if you think Batman the Animated Series is overrated, you know, you'll, you're kind of brain dead, but you, we will love to have you on the show. <laughs> hate Avatar The Last Airbender? Well, sure, we, we'd like to have you on and hear why you think that, uh, you know, you don't like great animation and great pacing and storytelling. It's, uh, it's important to know why, why people are this, this way so we can fix them. <laughs> I don't know. What's, what's something else that, that we, we love, Neil, that people might not? Cause it's kind of hard to, to equate something because I usually steer towards quality. Oh yeah. If, if you hate the, uh, the O3 Ninja Turtles, you know, I question your taste because you're one of the, probably one of those 87 is only idiots that we always make fun of, but you're welcome on the show. You're so, you're so much, so many shows, Neil. Any of the DC anime movies that we poo-pooed, uh, you can come on the show and explain why you think you're you're right and you think we're wrong. And I mean, it's it's just interesting if, if you think that uh, if you think that Captain Planet is a great show. God, why would you? <laughs> I don't know, Neil. It's kind of hard to figure this out. It's a uh, but you know that's why we have this show so we, people can come on and we can open up a dialogue and try to fix them. Yes, we, we fix them so they can't breed and it's just, but that's what we're doing. You know, the guests fight back, you know, so we, we love to have any of you on the show. We love to have you fight back. We love it when they fight. Let's get it on. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Uh, other than that, we have, uh, we have many other episodes uh, planned up ahead. We have, we're still doing the Shonen Jump series and possibly the Shonen Sunday series later on as well. But really, like I said, this episode is all about announcing our uh, The Guest Fight Back series, and we look forward to having any of you on. Just realize that you really can't, uh, you really can't, we might be able to change your minds. I mean, I've actually have, on in the past, made people who said they love Teen Titans, after five minutes of talking with me, who were like, oh my goodness, why did I ever say I like this show? <laughs> no, really, I have. It's it's much like the deprogramming process that uh, people do when they rescue family members from cults. You have to make them question why. And once they realize that the whole house of cards that their belief system is built on is based on lies, it all crumbles down. They start thinking for themselves again. It's it's kind of rewarding. And like like we said, if you want to come on the show, you know, just uh, drop us a line and let us know. I don't want to do any more damage than you've already done. I just don't know what went wrong. 
Yeah, it's a mystery. Nice work, Rainbow Dad! So Podcast Squared posted their post about us, huh? Oh, I oh, see yeah. that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, it is. It's a... <laughs> Only one, Tom. <laughs> I Aww. promise nothing. Tom, come <laughs> on. Okay. <laughs> Tom, please, 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 you know, resist the urge of the, of the soundboard, please. They're appropriate. They're fine. Yeah, it's it, 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 at least it's no booyah. Okay, so uh, no, no, yes. I do not do booyah. Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay. Oh man, 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 man! The only booyah I know is this video of a guy pulling his uh, balls out of a girl's ass. Have you seen that video? Fortunately, no. Oh <laughs> man. Okay, so the guy like stuffs an entire dick and balls into the ass, and then as he pulls it out, he goes booyah. Oh God, Kitty Hawk. That was. Right. I was, I asked off deal, deal. I just, yeah. What you said was right about how you always say something and you're worried, and then Kitty Hawk says something much worse. Yeah, I, I, I say some pretty crude things on this show, and then Kitty Hawk always tops me. <laughs> like I, I mean, said, no contest. Time, ten times Earth perversion. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, it's a, they, they really you, Kitty Hawk. You really broke the mold, but. Okay, let's let's get started. Uh, I'll do the intro. Okay. Uh, hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, we're doing a very quick, uh, brief episode about Derpygate. Uh, I am your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, TV Spencer Neal. All things are real, except when you dream they're not. And we have with us our favorite guest, Kitty Hawk. I just don't know what went wrong. <laughs> and with us, uh, self-proclaimed brony, Tom Revore. <laughs> but uh okay who wants to explain derpy gate oh man oh, lord i'll flip a coin between the uh, kitty hawk and tom it's or tom do you want it let's 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 i'll let tom do it and when, when we'll get into the um the little nitty-gritty well before we get into bro into derpy gate let's go ahead and explain a little bit about what derpy is <gasps> uh, derpy. yep uh, one of the characters that was just originally a background character in My Little Pony's Friendship is Magic, the wonderful new show, uh, which has very little to do in common with the original My Little Pony's cartoons. Oh, my, yes. God. Had derpy eyes, you know, one eye up, one eye down. A, a gray pony with blonde mane and uh, bubbles on for the cutie mark. Mm-hmm. And originally, I mean, the story note said that the character was supposed to be called Ditsy Doo. Well... Nobody in the fandom knew that, and the Bronies went off with that and named her Derpy Hooves. Or some people called her Kentucky Derpy, which I thought was better, but... That's pretty good. Um, but no, actually, the story I heard was, is that... Well, well the mismatched eyes were definitely a mistake, because the anima- the animators said that that was just, like, an error on the their part. But the character was not originally called Ditsy Doo. In fact, she didn't even have a name. But when... When Derpy started uh, gaining popularity, someone asked Lauren Faust about her. And I think Lauren is actually the one who came up with the name Ditsy Doo. And 
but they had no name for the character. It was just a back. It's like Lyra, you know, and Bonbon. They don't have names. They're just. Right. I believe Ditsy Do was one of the written names from one of the original ponies in the previous series, and there were a lot of them. And they couldn't yeah. use a lot of the original names because of uh, trademark. trademark reasons. Yeah. yeah, which I think is really the reason behind Derpy Gate is this is all about IP and Hasbro not wanting to muddy the waters. Well, let's like, get. Let's go ahead and finish up with, uh, oh, with yeah, yeah, what Derpy is. Yeah. Uh, so Derpy became a big fan favorite. And the people inside uh, the hub and the people who are doing the uh, commercials and animation for My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, uh, started running with some of the stuff like it. Like uh, there was a commercial for, I mean, with the, the Equestria Girls commercial where they used the name DJ Pwn 3 for the disc jockey pony, mm -hmm. where they mentioned bronies by name. And then there was an auction, a charity auction, where some original sketches of the My Little Pony characters were being auctioned off by Lauren Faust. Including yes. a brand new one of a pony with the crossed eyes, the bubbles on the cutie mark, who she specifically called Derpy Hooves in honor yep. of the fans. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that pretty much, uh, Derpy just went off from there and has been, even though it's a background character, she's been snuck in the background. It's kind of like a Where's Waldo now where Derpy is. Until a few weeks ago. Yeah. An episode called The Last Roundup, where yep. Derpy got speaking lines. <laughs> yeah, where she was portrayed as a bit of a klutz, uh, just uh, I mean half a bubble off, appropriate for a cutie mark. Where she was called by name, called Derpy by Rainbow Dash. Careful, Derpy. <laughs> I just don't know what wrong. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm Saint Germain. I can't. I'm blanking on the voice actress uh, yeah. who did not know that Derpy was female. Stated that <laughs> she. Yeah, she wasn't given any notes or like that. As she said, from the description of the character, she based it off of her neighbor's son, who just seemed to grow up overnight and grow too fast for himself, where he would speak a little slow, a little mm -hmm. decisively, because he wasn't quite used to being who he now is, and use that voice for Derpy. Yep. And uh, oh. so began Derpygate. Well, um, I did look up, like, Derpy's uh, invention, and it does look like, there was I don't think there was a Ditsy Do in the original run because I I had I okay, I'm gonna say this. I had uh, most of the original ponies from the original uh run. Now maybe this was a Gen two or a Gen three pony, but according to what I'm reading, it didn't she didn't have a name. There was a reference to a Ditsy Do in Winter Wrap Up, but it was never they never said which pony Ditsy Do was. Right, and uh, Ditsy yeah. Do was said to be. I mean, uh, the whole line was uh, Ditsy Do went north to get the southern birds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, went east to get the southern birds, but yeah, and so it's implied that was supposed to be Derpy, but it's it was she was never shown. So I I always have always said Ditsy Do is just a name that I think they wanted to go with just so that. They didn't have to say Derpy, but as like more and more brony stuff has sort of creeped into the show, they just eventually just said, well, his, her name's Derpy. <laughs> Which, you know, the why not? for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, and yes, I use the full name, uh, yeah. has been unlike any other fandom that I've ever seen. And that includes the Star Wars and Star Trek and it's Babylon insane. 5. It, it, 
And the response from the people, the creators and animators of the show has been just as lovingly back. I mean, the whole Where's Waldo of Derpy. Oh, yeah. That, it's like the Sears Tower. They can call it whatever they want. It's the Sears Tower. That is Derpy Hooves. The Willis Tower, you mean. What you talking about? No, it's the Sears Tower. I know, it's the Sears Tower. Yeah. But yeah, like, um, I am really, like, I've always been very impressed at how much the animators and the writers are so positive towards the fandom. Now, Hasbro is sort of, well, I have to say hit or miss on the whole being fan friendly, like with with like the toys not matching up. And and, you know, the story behind Pink Celestia, right? Yeah, but it was actually it was actually the the retailers that said we will not order a white Celestia. She has to be pink. Yeah. And like that's just like, oh, but it was really like the original. I know that in the original original idea was is that they were going to just make the show and then they were going to just sell gen three ponies which i'm like what (laughs) i guess they expected the show not to do very well (laughs) jokes on them it did very well well this is the same company that's taken a year and a half to come out with new figures for the transformers prime series i know it well hasbro is obviously on ip protection mode yeah they're too busy suing asus about a tablet yeah, I mean, but it's it's obvious that like the only reason that they now I'm not gonna this isn't to knock the show, but it, the obvious the only reason that they did the show was obviously to keep their IP, and oh, of course, and the names of court changes were of course so that they could trademark them. And I think honestly, like the Derby thing really pisses me the fuck off because it's. Well, Let's go, well, we'll uh, get to that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's get, get to what to Derpy Gate really is, because we described what the background for Derpy yeah, is. Yeah, but we need to get into the Derpy Gate, which is some, well, some bullshit. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of these, well, I'll get to my opinion on it in just a moment. What Derpy Gate is, is that the episode was broadcast. They mentioned Derpy by name. Derpy had the, what sounded like a mildly retarded voice. You know, it's kind of stuffy, slow. She was a klutz, yeah. an adhering yeah. klutz, but a klutz. And it made it all the way to iTunes. For a week. Yeah. And then the episode got pulled. And yep. when it was brought back, Derby's name was removed. Yep. Her eyes in a, num- a good number of scenes were corrected. Some slipped through where they were still derped, but most of them were corrected. And mm-hmm. her voice had changed. Because Very there bad. had been a huge, well, I won't even say huge uproar. There had been a vocal uproar by a small minority who felt that the character of Derpy was making fun of the mentally retarded. Mm-hmm. And... and- that is so freaking stupid. I mean, come on, people. Uh, it, it's And it's just gone south from there because there were a lot of threats made from the people who felt that Derpy was making fun of the mentally retarded. And then after the changes, there have been a lot of threats about the change. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been hilarious. A, a show that's all about friendship and caring and accepting one another. And these people are idiots. All of them, both sides. <laughs> well, okay. Here, here's here's my here's my thing on that. I don't think it honestly was about retardation or anything like that. I think that the the people that were offended were a very small minority. Now, that's not to say that a small minority can ruin it, can't ruin it for everyone. But I really think at this point, it really is a matter of IP. Since, like, if you take the beha- Hasbro's behavior of recently into in hand, you basically can tell that this was what happened is, is it was okay as long as she was in the background just floating around. This is sort of okay. 
the way I put it to someone was, this is co- was a comic book fan, was this is similar to the Superman fight that is going on between the original creator's estates and DC, in which the original creator's estates own the character of, own the name Superman, some like him being from Krypton, him, you know, and like being able to leap tall buildings and blah, blah, blah. Whereas DC owns the rights to Lex Luthor, Lois Lane, and other things like that. So there's this weird muddling of the, uh, the IP. Yeah, you can tell it was either a New York or a California judge that came up with that ruling. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. But, I, but I, don't, is... I don't think it's IP. I mean, because I think a lot of it is better to just nip something in the bud. Because you know, a lot of, them, a lot of the um, corporate type are very gun-shy when it comes to lawsuits, especially something that's supposed to be for kids. It, uh, except- the publicity of having a lawsuit of over derpy being mentally retarded. I mean, and there are going to be people who are that stupid to bring lawsuits like that, even though they know they're bound to lose. Except that this isn't a this isn't something where you actually bring a lawsuit upon uh, upon someone. You can't really bring a lawsuit against someone for having a certain type of character. The only thing that you can do is you can try to get the FCC on their ass. Go after the sponsors. Go after the sponsors and things like that. And that's why I say that this is probably IP. Because I was watching this video the the other day where they basically brought up all the retarded characters in children's cartoons. Like Patrick, (laughs) Ed, Ed, Ed and Eddie. And they brought up all of these. And then they said, but what's... Oh, and even Snails, who is in Friendship is Magic. And so what I really think this is, is this is they don't want Derpy coming into the canon because if they bring Derpy into the canon, Derpy, they didn't come up with the name Derpy. Derpy is a fan name. Derpy is a happy accident of an animation mistake. But they do own her image. The thing is, is that Hasbro owns the image to Derpy because they were the first people to publish it. Therefore, they have the rights to it. However, they can't trademark the name Derpy because it did, they didn't originate from them. They don't have prior art because the prior art is that thread from 4chan where she was named. So <laughs> you take that into account, and if you're an IP crazy motherfucker like Hasbro, you're going to say anything involving fan names is bad. Which is why I think Lyra, when they bring the toy out later this year, is going to be called Heartstrings, which I'm going to be... I mean, I'm not a totally rage-tastic about that, but I am going to rage about it. Because it's just like, fuck you. Her name is Lyra. We gave her a name. She's the pony that wants to be human. Don't well, make I look, a... T- yeah, I mean, you take a look it. over uh, from my end of the uh, spectrum of fandom, too, because I'm a big Transformers fan. Yeah. And my favorite character was from the 1986 animated series, uh, animated show, uh, Transformers the movie, mm-hmm. and Hot Rod. And they yeah. can't call him Hot Rod anymore. Why? Because Mattel sued him. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I, I also, and I do think that part of it, is, I mean, because they didn't have to change the voice. They, I no. mean, removing the name could be IP, but they changed the voice and they changed the eyes solely because, I, and I do think it was because of the reaction from some of these morons about the mental retardation. Well, and I don't... I, I've I, always I, looked at... I mean, to me, Derpy was, like I said, Derpy was, was she mentally retarded? She appeared to be. However, as I was saying to somebody else, you had the jock there, Rainbow Dash, who was accepting. I mean, a little frustrated with Derpy, but accepting of Derpy. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, this, this actually... A, no, I, I, can, I can... reaction, because it was showing that yeah, everybody... I mean, it, it, does everybody get along all the time? No, even the six main characters have their disagreements. But here it is, somebody who is uh, allegedly mentally retarded, mm-hmm. who is a little bit slow, who is clumsy, who is uh, half a bubble off. And uh, I, I was reminded of the TV show Life Goes On with the character of Corky, who had Down Syndrome. Yep. Were there problems? Yes, but the people were generally accepting. And just like that, Derpy was being accepted and was, to me, a role model for mm-hmm. the way that people should be reacting to the mentally handicapped. And that oh, yeah. actually reminds me of another show. It's, uh, um, believe it or not, the, the reason why uh, South Park was able to get away with Timmy is because all the other kids treated Timmy like he was normal. Yeah, and like that's why I, I okay, I will go ahead and keep going with my IP argument and by saying I think that they decided that if they were gonna go ahead and redo it, like to take out the line derpy, why not go ahead and make it PC and go ahead and give her a different voice, uncross her eyes, and then pretend as though, oh yes, it was about her being retarded. It was nothing to do with the fact that we don't want to muddy the waters. Well, removing I mean, the name and changing the voice uh, technically is not that difficult. No, Going it isn't. back and doing the animation over again, even in Flash, is no, a, a hassle. It isn't that big of a hassle to go back and redo it in Flash. I mean, you okay, the basic animations are still there. You can go back, you can change, you can fix the eyes. In fact, in the article on uh, on the My Little Pony wiki says that they had thought about going back and changing Derpy's eyes when they noticed that her eyes were crossed. However, Hasbro had already gone ahead and green-lighted it, so they went ahead and released it anyway. That leads me to think that it is incredibly easy to go back and change that. And so they basically decided, well, if we're going this far to go back and change the name, why don't we just go ahead and make those people who were complaining about her being retarded happy and just do all that. Also, just removing the derpy voice also removes her being derpy. Because that's agree. also that's also a trait because the, the derpiness is honestly a trait that was given like like Superman being able to fly, that was a trait that was given by the fans. It was a trait that she was derpy. Where and so Hasbro just probably just said, let's just wash our hand let's just basically totally cleanse this and we'll just never speak of this again. And I think the only reason that episode went back up was because they were they didn't want to miss out on selling that episode because it does feature Derpy and people would they were just hoping people would still buy it. Mm. I mean, the, okay, because like they, my, they're learning their I have, lesson. <laughs> I have a problem with that episode, the episode that she was in, which was the last roundup, because the episode is extremely weak after the Derpy part. The whole the episode is pretty weak. It's just sort of like so Applejack has to save the the city hall by going and competing in this thing. And then the stereotypical she didn't make it. So she didn't come back home. Story happens. But it was a great way to introduce a bunch of these young kids to the classic. I love Lucy sketches. Well, I mean, that was pretty (laughs) that was pretty funny. But like, I'm just sort of like I can see why they I honestly think the reason that that whole derpy bit was thrown in there was the the writers, and no offense to the writers, but I think the writers decided to spice up the episode by saying, let's just have Derpy in here. We'll just throw her in there. We'll 
then the people will love this episode and it won't be like, oh, it's just another weak Applejack episode. Yeah, I think um, part of it was that they wanted to, because uh, Derpy was a love letter to the fans. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. And But it was also a reason, I mean, because the damage that Derpy did was the reason that Applejack said that she'd do this and her ego got in the way. Oh, but any any reason could have been co- could have come up uh, for Applejack to have gone and done this this uh, competition. For one right. thing, maybe she needed to, maybe they needed to fix the barn. Maybe there was some piece of equipment that would make apple harvesting go a little faster or blah, 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 blah. Or maybe someone was sick or something like that. You could have come up with any reason for her to go do that. And it's obvious that they just chose Derpy because it was the love letter. And I was so happy when I saw it because I was like this is when it's going to get all it like it's already get like season two is so much better than season one I thought oh my god now we're going into hyperdrive this is gonna just get even better but then derpy gate happened yeah and I, now I, I saw derpy kinda... out there I mean I literally well the first thing I did was <laughs> I I couldn't believe I was seeing it when I saw I, I was, it, I called people up to wake them up to get them to watch the thing. I mean, I said Derpy, and that was I, it. <laughs> I woke up my, I woke up my husband. I woke up my husband who had been like, you know, you know, had spent the whole night programming, tired, wanted to just sleep. I'm like Derpy, Derpy, <laughs> come see Derpy. I mean, if they've just shown the pony character with the bubbles. I mean, okay, yeah, that's a cute character. They finally gave her speaking lines. But the moment Rainbow Dash said Derpy, I mean, that was it. Oh, my God. The Internet, like, nearly just, like, orgasm. Yes. I remember I was, like, on Equestria Daily and Twitter and Facebook, and it was just a flood of Derpy. <laughs> Derpy! So, so then, uh, I, I, want, I want one person's opinion of all this uh, as an outside viewer. Neil, what do you think so far of the Derpy-ness of the Derpy gate? I just think it's stupid. I... I, I'm. Oh, I've I've seen this happen before. I saw this happen with Ren and Stimpy. How they ousted uh, John Kay and decided yeah. to make Ren nicer to Stimpy and Stimpy not so stupid. And then they did it to uh, they did it to Dee Dee and Dexter's Laboratory. The first the first season she was really ditzy, and then they gradually made her a little more intelligent. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but you needed a micrometer well, to but- measure that. Yeah, but here, that's not, it's, it's not the same here. Here, this, it isn't a matter of her being stupid. It's a matter of, this was a fan created, like, this character was sort of created by the fans. They took the template and made this character, and then they used her, and, and then they just threw her out. It was just, it was a matter of, they had basically stomped on the fans' hearts. They would have exactly. been better off, better off just not putting, I, I would have been fine if for the rest of the run of the series, Derpy was just a Where's Waldo thing that we all have fun looking for her. Or but, even or even if they just, even if they just, if, if the, the episode originally aired, she she was still cross-eyed and she, yeah. she still had a voice, but they never called her Derpy in the first place. That right. was if, they had, if they had released what they have out now, that would have been fine. Oh, yeah. But they did. They retconned it within a week. Yeah. yeah the the and, Pandora's and, box was open. Yeah, they had opened it up, and then they decided they wanted to shut it. But you can't shut it. I'm sorry. The, and I and like here's the thing. I understand the rage. The rage is basically the ha, we thought Hasbro had finally 
accepted the brony like because like it was obvious it's been obvious that Hasbro didn't really like the bronies. They didn't like the fact that their audience wasn't what they wanted. What they wanted was they wanted little girls. They didn't get little girls. They got 20-something guys. Right. Which, and, which is ironic because the hub, I mean, has fallen in love with them. They've had, I mean, the bridal maids uh, billboard they've had. Uh, I know. The uh, Equestria Girls. I mean, this is oriented towards the bronies. And I yeah. hate to tell you people out there in Hasbro land, it's not five or six-year-old girls that are buying that. They're going to their 20, 30, 40-something-year-old dads and saying, Daddy, buy me this. And the dads are saying, okay, I'll get you one, and I'll get me one, too. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know many little kids that are actually into My Little Pony. I think I've only met, like, one. And, and, it's, and whenever I go to Target or Toys R Us, who's in My Little Pony section? 20-something guys than me. We're like, yay, ponies! And and mothers are trying to shuffle their children away from us as we're gleefully <laughs> holding our ponies to our hearts. Absolutely. I uh, am proud to say that I have gotten accurately quaffed Rarity and uh, Fluttershy. So there. <laughs> I need I need to do that. I've got um I've got Applejack and Fluttershy's hair right. I need to do Rainbow Dashes, which oh, is going to be. Wait till you try Pinkie Pie. So she's in terror. Um, well, I, I, I'm not a. I have to admit that I'm not as big a fan of Pinkie Pie, so I haven't gotten her yet. Bite your uh, tongue. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I am a big Rainbow Dash Applejack. I am an Apple Dash fan. I admit. It. <laughs> um, but my favorite pony is honestly Lyra, and I'm when I saw the toy, I was. I, I I think I I think I just squealed so hard because I was like it's Lyra Lyra I love you <laughs> and speaking of that I'm actually doing doing something with Lyra I'm going to have a project hopefully done soon that involves Lyra so yay oh. Lyra I love Lyra. Uh, to me, I mean, Pinkie Pie is everything from the old Warner Brothers or Tex Avery cartoons. Oh, no, no. I love that. It's just, it, I mean, okay. I admit I really did like that episode, re the recent episode with the donkey. Uh, I don't normally like the TV show. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, yeah, the TV show's okay. I like the fandom a hell of a lot better. Like. <laughs> I'm the person that's like watching Mr. Ponyator. I'm reading the fanfics. I admit I read the Clop Clop fanfics and the Clop Clop <laughs> art. And Futashai is like one of my favorite things because oh, that's yeah. just hilarious. <laughs> but oh, I, really did like, I really did like that Pinkie Pie episode and it did actually, you know, boost Pinkie Pie's rating in my head a little more. But. She's still like still down there at the bottom. Not as down there as Twilight Sparkle, but she's not as high up as say uh, Rarity or Apple Dash. I mean, a a well, Apple Dash, yeah. Well, so, I mean, when she started chasing after Rainbow Dash with the Peppy Le Pew bounce, yeah, that, 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 was, that was it. That was it. Yeah, I, I, I love Rainbow Dash. I love Applejack. I mean, Applejack is probably the most normal of them all, which is and mm -hmm. like a lot of the people I've known back home. But yeah, Pinkie Pie is just so random to use Rainbow Dash's phrase. Yeah, I, I like Apple. I think I like Applejack. I know that a lot of people don't like Applejack, especially in the South, because the whole you know Hick stereotype. 
But it's I like not really that bad. I don't think. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not that bad. But it is sort of a turnoff, and I've noticed. And I like her because she is down to earth and she's simple and she's just she just wants to work hard. Exactly. And I, I like mean, a lot of loyalty to her friends and family and yeah. does the job that she's supposed to do. Yeah, and that's why I like her. And I like Rainbow Dash because she's brave, bold. She, but she'll she'll always be there for her friends, and that's why I like her. And also, I just like the. I admit I'm a shipper, and I like Apple Dash a lot. I also particularly like um, uh, Rarity uh, Jack as well. That's one of my favorites too. So it's Rarity, and, and if I if in my dream, Rarity Ra- Rarity Rainbow and Apple all together. Yep. Yay! Okay. Um. Okay. So I mean, I, even that, I mean, because we can go on. Uh, oh yeah, we can keep going on stuff. about ponies all day I, long. The mysterious mare do well when they had the uh, uh, placards in the crowd of her in the Batman the animated series. <laughs> oh, I mean, there are people there. I, I just want I want to bear their children. <laughs> they are such a love to the fans, and, it's, and Hasbro doesn't know what to do with them. Well, because Hasbro, because Hasbro, honestly, I think what happened with Derbygate is Hasbro just wasn't minding the store. And it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. Hasbro just said, especially with season two, because like they dropped the whole. The, one of the things that annoyed me about season one was the every pony has to show up on screen in every single episode, yeah. which they sort of dropped in season two, which made me like season two a lot more. And I think in season two, Hasbro just didn't give a shit and just said, do whatever. It seems to be doing well. We're selling so guess, toys. That's all we care about. Yeah, I guess and, we'll do this. And, right, then, and that's why it, I always go back to um, Derpy Gate. I think I really wonder if it wasn't someone not at Hasbro, not at the hub, but one of these idiots with their heads up their ass uh, from standards and practices. Yeah, it it probably was. Honestly, what I think happened is is they got some complaints about a retarded pony, and so they looked into it. And as they started looking into it, they started realizing that the IP was at um, at risk here. Because, you know, like, I have a bad feeling they're going to call Lyra heartstrings just because they don't want to muddy the waters. And But if you, want, if you don't want to muddy the waters, Hasbro, it's already been done. I mean, there's fan art in the background of, like, which episode was it that they... It was... I think it was the... Um, Happy heartwarming episode. You can see there's like a piece of fan art in the background. It's like a stained glass or something. I'm going to go back and look for that one now. Yeah. And like there's like hidden little things in the show that would basically be like, no, Hasbro, I'm sorry. The bronies have already creeped into their stuff has already creeped into the show. You can't stop it. It's right. going to happen. And the IP with Derpy, I mean, it makes no sense because then, okay, the name is in the PD now. Uh, mm-hmm. But the character is trademarked. The look of the character is trademarked, and you people own that. I mean, yeah. name but, or whatever but you want, but it's name. derpy. But they don't own the name. They can't trademark the name, and the the character's attributes cannot be uh, owned by Hasbro because they were not developed by Hasbro. So, well, the, the, they uh, they do own everything for the cartoon. So, I mean, the crossed eyes, which originated there, even yeah, if by they accident, own the crossed eyes, but crossed the, eyes, but the personality, I mean, they can't do anything with. I mean, you're yeah, not going to get a personality out in the in the toy box. Well, right. but I'm it's, saying in the show, they can't have the personality. They cannot have the personality because the personality was developed by the fans, 
And a lot of the backstory, like they can't, they could never have Derpy liking muffins, even though there's that, that little bit in the show where she mouths muffins and that's where the whole muffins <laughs> thing comes from. If Derpy ever espoused love, you know, ultimate love for muffins, muffins, then she would, then that would also, that would be a trait that the fans gave her because you can't say that her mouthing muffins equals the love of muffins. Exactly. Or, or is she? Did she ever show up as a male mayor in the show? I'm I'm kind of wondering about that. They, too. I, I don't think so. They've used a lot of them. I mean, they've used Doctor Who's as yeah, you know, three different types of ponies, including a Pegasus. Yeah, which I, yeah, but uh, also Derpy's shown up as a as a Earth pony before, yeah. and she's also shown up as a filly. But uh, but uh, yeah, the they can't show her as a male mayor, and because if they did that, that's an attribute that was given by the fans. So well, they, they can't have her. Stuff. Yeah, the closest they had was her as a delivery pony. Right, uh, but they could never the show her was... the male mare. Yeah, like she's shown in the fandom, and so that's why my I think my theory. I think it's a little A. I think it's a little a B. I think it's probably they don't want the IP to be muddled, and they probably don't want to offend people. But I think it's more IP than anything else, since their behavior as of late sort of leads me to think that this is about IP. Okay. Especially, I, I, think, I think a lot of it is uh, partially because of the repercussions from the uh, small minority of loud vocal idiots. Except uh, that, like, that, that makes no that makes no sense to me because snails, honestly, snails acts retarded. But snails it's, has not snails has not had the huge following too. So I mean, der, I mean, as you said, we both as soon as Derpy came on the screen, as soon as her name was said, we went ballistic. All oh, yeah. of the bronies and all the pony fans went nuts over this. And that drew a lot of attention. Snails, mm -hmm. most people um, don't even care about snails. Yeah, but he's in there. I mean, how many people a... made us think about the uh, the big brown Pegasus pony uh, in uh, Sonic Rainboom, who was definitely a bit slow. Uh, Rainbow uh, 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 Crash. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the thing is, is that if you're not going to go after those, if you're not going to go back and whitewash those, then I'm sorry, you are not being you are not being genuine here. You are well, obvious. You it's are obvious. Yeah. yeah, it's obvious that they don't care about like being PC or anything like that. I mean, yeah, if they cared about the fandom, I mean, we would have never gotten past the second Transformers movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but uh, but I think we got a lot of good points here, and we're starting to uh, we're starting to reiterate points now. So uh, oh, yeah. so let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, uh, forever. We we've heard some <laughs> very interesting theories, and I do think it is a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, because Hasbro is IP crazy right now, and oh, yeah, uh, and right. the and the idea of a mentally challenged character does make certain people that yeah. that little squeamish when they really shouldn't be uh, that that's my take on it uh it's uh, we'll just we'll just do a quick once around uh neil i think uh i think i kind of agree with tom just because uh yeah there are other there are other uh mentally challenged characters in the show but it's not unusual for a property holder to be inconsistent in how they pursue these things so i've seen this before so it's not i, I don't expect consistency on this i I expect property holders to, you know, pick their battles and just go after whatever is the hot button. Yeah. They react, not act. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tom? Yeah, uh, I, I really think that it's um, Hasbro has always shown themselves to not understand the fandoms, you know, whether it be Transformers, whether it be My Little Pony's Friendship is Magic, uh, whether it be 
so many other things which they've done. I mean, G.I. Joe, uh, I mean, when the comic books, uh, Larry Hama comic books really took off, Hasbro didn't know what to do. In fact, uh, it ended up with Hama de- designing a bunch of the characters for Hasbro. That's another thing. That's another thing that's been lost with Hasbro. Like they had Marvel even do My Little Pony back in the day. Like they, there was some consistency back then with like the different with the properties and things like that, which I think they've lost. And I think that's part of the reason that this happened is there's no, like I said, there's no one minding the store. Right. At least there's Marvel is of- doing that. A lot of properties over in the Transformers universe, I mean, they have to say Autobot Ratchet now. They have to be Hot Rodimus or Rodimus uh, Minor or, uh, because they couldn't, they didn't keep their properties. Oh, yeah. And well, uh, Kitty Hawk, your, your final thoughts. My final thoughts is it's pretty obvious to me that Hasbro is IP crazy. Otherwise, they would not, like, it's obvious that they're trying to protect their IPs. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought back My Little Pony in order to renew it. Or, like, even do Hub. Hub just seems like... Well, Hub is really to present, like, all their toys. But, like, I think that this is a matter of they don't want to muddy the IP so that they don't have arguments down the road about, like, who owns what. And it's... I, I, I hate I hate that they did this to the fans. Even if, it, if it is about the retardation or if it is the IP, either way, it's a, it's a dick move on Hasbro's part. Because they shouldn't have done it. They, should have, they shouldn't have let the writers do this. Because this basically now makes me think they don't really care about the fans. They just, well, they want, I mean, they don't. They really just are totally out of touch. They don't really care. I mean, I've read some things that Lauren has said that Hasbro has done. And it just seems like at the end of the day, they're, they only care about do I still own My Little Pony? And I think that this is, unfortunately, this was a terrible thing they did because I really was expecting this was going to be like a new era of maybe there was going to be this fan, the fandom and the show would eventually merge into the same thing and be the most awesome thing ever. But, oh well. Can't hear you. Oh, I'm asleep. <laughs> oh my. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. 
every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Grab your helmets because it's time to assemble Mask. Coming April 10th, 2012, the Geekcast Radio Network launches Masked Mayhem with your hosts Optimus Solo and TFG and Mike. This podcast covering all 75 episodes of Mask will feature in-depth analysis of every episode, talk on the toys, and more. Mask Mayhem will run 30 podcast episodes. You can find us in iTunes and on www.geekcastradio.com. Get your spectrums ready as podcasting is the ultimate weapon. Okay, let's talk RPGs. Are you talking uh, board games? Are you talking RPG RPGs? Or are you talking video RPGs? Video games. Okay, yeah, that's... I, most of my stuff is Dungeons and Dragons from 20 years ago. Yeah, we don't have any D12s here, sorry to say. <laughs> I'm off to get my muffins and cherry chungas. Woohoo! Cherry chimichangas. Cherry cherry, cherry changa. Cherry changa. Cherry cherry. Cherry changa. Cherry cherry. Cherry changa. All right, good night, Tom. See ya. Bye. I got really excited this week because uh, Shining Force Central is looks like they're wrapping up the uh, the Shining Force Three translation project. What do you want? Yeah, because the game spanned three discs, and we only got the first one, and then of yeah. course the Saturn crapped out and died. So, uh, so did they actually only release one disc of three? Well, they, it was like it was originally released as like three separate games, like you know, almost like chapters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's like it's kind of like Suikoden or Ark the Lad or or uh, Golden Sun, where it's it's one game or each each installment is like a complete game, but you take your save data from one and move it to the next and then yeah. to the next, and it's really cool. It's a really cool system when they can do it right, and we could have gotten it, but you know they pulled the plug on the Saturn and they had to change yeah. the ending of of uh, Scenario One so that it was kind of a half-ass ending and. They're, because of that, they're going to retranslate the ending of part one as well. Yeah. I must go back to my planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Saturn unfortunately died, and the, the less. And hey, as it was, one of the first games released for the Saturn was an RPG, which was Magic Knight Rare. And the last game released for it in America was Magic Knight Rare. Perfect yep. designs. Yes, working design. I loved working designs. They were just so good. I, I, okay, well, I will say this. We're, and this, this is sort of, you know, about their RPGs. I really liked how they presented their RPGs. Like, they had the most wonderful packages. Like, you get a map, or like some little character stuff, or like with the lunar stuff, you got like, um, like pendants and stuff. But the translations were, um, not so good because they would put like very topical humor into the uh, into the game, which kind of irritated me. Like within 
I think it was in Magic Knight Rare Earth, they had the the Austin Powers uh, guy, and I was like, I just, when I saw that, I just was like, oh. Yeah, baby. Exactly. Oh, you should have seen what they did to Albert Odyssey. Well, the I game is heard. the game is kind of kind of a really dry, you know, bare bones RPG to begin with. So they just mm. goofed up the translation as much as they could. There was yeah. an Ebonics joke in that. In that I know, game. I know. God <laughs> and damn. I, I kind of forgive it because it it kind of got the uh, it kind of what what was that one anime? Oh, it's Samurai Pizza Cats. It, it's almost yeah. like a Samurai Pizza Cats uh, treatment. Yeah. Where it's so where it's so off, it's epic. Yeah. Except that like a lot of the humor was like topical, and that bo- like I don't mind spicing up a script, you know, if you do it well. You got to do it well, mm. but but it just like the humor was always so so incredibly like the moment at the moment that it just sort of felt like this is not going to be funny in like a couple of years. And so that really bothered me. But other other than that, they did a really good job with their games. Like, and I, they brought over some really good titles like Lunar. Um, let's see, what else did they bring over that was particularly Art good? The Art the Lad. A lot of the cla- a lot of the the a lot of the Saturn stuff. Um, and what was the last thing that they did? It, I think it was Grolon, like one of the Grolonzers, I think, was one of the last yep. things they did. Yeah. Right here with me. Right here. Yep. All right. <laughs> I don't know why it's on the desk here, but it just I just looked down. I'm like, oh. <laughs> there it is. You're about to play All right. it? No, I just had it out. I, don't, I was looking for something else, and I put it there. Mm. Ah. Yeah. I, I think, did I buy that one? I can't remember. I, I it's, it's probably in a box somewhere. I've but. heard the justification for that, for their translations. And it was because in the Japanese versions of these games, they would uh, they would throw in, like, weird Japanese topical humor. A cultural and, Japanese joke that we wouldn't get. Yeah, but, so they would take out those jokes and put it in American jokes. But they're, but that, that doesn't really justify it, because that really doesn't work the same way over here. Yeah. Really? It, it, it sounds like you're taking the opposite stance of localization that you always love, Neil. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that is that you have to cater to uh, to the region in which you're localizing to. If, yeah. If your audience, if the audience that you're porting it to doesn't really re- react to that sort of humor, you shouldn't put it in. Well, <laughs> another another thing I gotta say is is like working designs wasn't exactly very mainstream, so this it almost felt like an attempt to try to get more people interested in the game like maybe if we make it a little funnier people will play it but i don't know i didn't know many people back then that were like yeah lunar that's the best game ever i hear that a lot though well you do now but like when when lunar was released um i recall like most people were not into that type of game like it was like fighting fighting games were very popular first person shooters were getting popular so it was uh it was it was sort of like uh, you should realize that it's going to be like people like me who are going to be playing this game. And while I don't mind humor, like I said, the topical humor just sort of uh, sort of got to me. Mm. Well, by the time but you got the arc of the lad, they had pretty much stopped doing that. Yeah, they they played a little straighter, you know, straight at that point. And since um, they were so hampered with that anyway, they didn't ha- they didn't really have time to uh, put in any American voices. I I don't believe I don't. I don't remember there being any. 
Because well, uh, usually what they would do is they, for the spells, they would put in American voices. And so you'd get Nash going, check this out. And I would <laughs> gnash my teeth. But in Ark the You Lads, would gnash they, your teeth? Oh. Uh, <laughs> but in Ark the Lads, they kept all the Japanese voices. Which and are I think, much less annoying. I think that might have just been like the attitude about like Americans cannot stand the utterance of other languages had sort of faded by the yeah. like um, because I recall like at the in the early 90s there was this no we can never reveal that this is Japanese to them they'll hate it that yeah, sort of and, and which really irked me because I was I had lived in Japan and so I was like you know I wanted more i wanted them to stop pretending that it was american and also everyone was very aware that it was japanese because the word nintendo is not exactly an american word except i did meet a couple of people who did believe nintendo was american and i was like what (laughs) well the utterances of spells i i think to me it's it's kind of this like the street fighter rules Mm. you know when it's when it's something where they're just naming off a spell or saying Hadouken or I yeah. don't, oh, that, I, I don't need that in, in English. You know, I, I get it. You know, I know what yeah. I figure out what it is. Yeah. And also it sounds cool. It kind of sounds cool because you're like, Whoa, it's like a totally different language. They're casting spells in. It's like Latin or something. <laughs> you could, be, you could play it off like that. I know, yeah. but it, you know, translating stuff like that in, in some animes and games is hilarious. Like, uh, Oh. Like one of the biggest jokes I love is uh, is you know it's a uh, Windscarred Iron Reverse Soul Stealer. Oh, yeah, those sound terrible. Or my <laughs> yeah. favorite from Dragon Ball Z, Special Beam, Beam Cannon. Yep. <laughs> Was it Masenko Ha? Speaking of bad translations, uh, a favorite RPG of mine is Breath of Fire 2. Oh my god. Yes is no. And I no is no yes. Was, I thought no was yes. I'm confused. What is going on? I, I knew a guy once that thought no was yes, and uh, he got a big straining <laughs> order on him. Oh, 50, 50 no's and a yes is a yes. <laughs> Just recently, somebody retranslated that game on a fan translation site, and uh, it is a lot better. Oh, I imagine it is much better, but I actually like the horribleness of it. But um, my story of Breath of Fire 2 is that... So I was that annoying kid that I hated when I worked at Babbage's that called Babbage's on the day that the game came out and said, Do you have it? And they asked, did you reserve it? And I'm like, hell no, I did not give you $5. <laughs> um, so I was calling in the Babbage's and I was like, did you get Breath of Fire 2? And they're like, no, because it got recalled. And I was like, what? And I think it was recalled because of the like the, the translation. 
but they didn't actually fix it. So I have no idea why it was being recalled. But anyway, so I was like, fuck, I need this game. I need this game so bad because I like the original Breath of Fire. So uh, I called up Toys R Us, same deal. And I think I called um, the software. This was all, these were all the places in Mobile. I think I called the places in Pensacola and it was like the same deal. And finally, I remembered that Sears, this was back when Sears had the game counter. And I said, okay, my last bet is Sears. And they said, yeah, we got it. And I said, well, shit, man, hold me a copy. I will be down there as fast as I can. You know, and by that, I mean by like, mom, we have to get in the car. We have to drive. (laughs) And uh, we we went and got it. And we went to Sears. We purchased it. Uh, my friend, my brother and I were all in cheering and we were happy. And as we're walking away from the counter, I hear the woman say, oh, my God, that's recalled. I shouldn't have sold that. And, and that's what he like, ran. Whoa, we're out of here. And we took it home and we popped it in. And it was, yeah, that translation was, um, it was so bad that I loved it. I love and I love that in the GBA game they kept the bad translation because I think it adds something to that game. Like the game is not okay, the game is not exactly one of the most spectacular things that has ever existed. The animation in the battles is pretty good and it's got a really good it's actually pretty well rounded, but like it's your it's your average RPG. It's like go save the world and you'll find some people along the way and blah 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 blah. But the bad translation, like, like now it is done and things like that. Just people just saying, like, just things that... So, that, so it's like, almost like the fans own the bad translation. Yeah, it, it, it's the, the translation is so bad, it's so good. It just makes it a totally different game. And, and I, and I kind of reg- regret selling the game because I wanted to get a GameCube really bad. And so I sold it like a dumbass. But I do have the GBA version, so that's all I... Okay. I well, here's a question for, for our panel here. Hmm. What is an RPG? Should I go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was thinking that what normally ties them together is the experience system. It seems hmm. to be what they all have in common. And we have the Zelda controversy, which is, is Zelda an RPG? And my thought is, well... Ignoring the term RPG, uh, there's this genre of game that I like where where you, you have a guy with a sword and you hit things with the sword and based on how many battles you get into, your guy gets a little more badass each time and and uh, some stats go up, maybe occasionally some will go down and your your equipment will will change your stats from time to time. And then there's this other game called Zelda where none of that happens. Well, your equipment changes from time to time. Yeah, yeah, and then, know, that's but- that's my argument but the thing about zelda is that to me it's much more it has a mechanic that that's much more common with metroid and some other games where you know it doesn't matter how many times you shoot things there's no experience either energy tanks which are just like heart containers yeah and stuff like that and i my only concern here i'm not trying to i'm not trying to to part these two and say these can never be together no no no. but i'm afraid of I'm afraid of if you put Zelda in there, then anything becomes an RPG, and then it doesn't mean anything anymore. Except that I would say that like Zelda and Metroid and Wonder Boy and all those fall into the category of 
of adventure RPG. While they while they don't have the stats and all that, they yeah. do have the spirit of leveling up and finding items, much like in D&D, like, oh, this item is going to totally help me on my quest and things like that. And honestly, I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, the stats are really not important to an RPG because most... Okay. Stats in, not important! Or, yes, in early RPGs, you really had no... Like, at least with JRPGs, you didn't have an ability to really affect the stats as much. Like, there wasn't, like, you know, you could put points here or points there or, like, uh, like grid systems or anything like that. So I would argue that Zelda is an RPG in that it, it has the basic elements of you find items to help you along your quest, you do level up in a, in a sense, um, there's this adventuring aspect to it, there's, a, a, you know, a story... And so I will consider, I'll even, like, I, I'm one of those weird people that will even say that, like, Metroid is an, it, like, is an adventure RPG because it's, like, in the same vein of Zelda 2 and Wonder Boy. They're just side-scrolling RPGs. And, and I, can, I can actually respect that, but there are people who I bring up the Metroid thing and they're like, well, Metroid isn't an RPG. And I'm like, why? And they go, well, she doesn't have a sword. And I'm like, what? what? So I can respect your side. It's like everyone else who... They want Zelda in the RPG genre, but nothing else that's yeah. the same thing as Zelda. say about the leveling up aspect is uh, is this is the difference between me and console gamers of this of that era is is I don't get the whole fact that okay you, you fight a lot and, and then all your stats just level up with, with no rhyme or reason other than they all go up certain points mm. and you have like 12 stats that go up and I, I to, to me I, I never really got that and because you have an arbitrary level number that you want to reach 99 at the end and all these other numbers, you know, go up, go up incrementally with no rhyme or reason. With that, I mean, Chrono Trigger was pretty good about not doing something like that because you could get, you could get the, you points. could assign points to it. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I, I was a, I was a PC gamer, and the, and yeah. the Quest for Glory had a much more uh, intelligent, I would say, uh, leveling system to where you didn't have a level number. But uh, but if you want your character to be stronger, you make them lift a lot of heavy stuff. You want them to be better at throwing stuff. You throw a lot of stuff. Well, it was it was that kind of leveling system that I enjoyed because that made some kind of logical sense in my brain, and maybe my brain works that kind of way to where if it if it makes sense like that, I just enjoy it better. Right. Um. I. I, I in a lot of the early RPGs, the only way that you could affect your stats was by getting equipment. So in a sense, it really is like an RPG, but like. I think what was going on with like early, what was going on was 
and I know this with like Final Fantasy at least, they did borrow a lot from the D&D manuals. So I think what they were doing is, is like, they knew the stats were important, but they weren't really sure how they could make that work without like let the you know the player you know mess with the stats and stuff like that so, so they just when you level up all of them go up a certain yeah number of like points. it was sort of like it was already set in motion now later on later rpgs you know allowed you to either you know assign points to a certain like aspect when you leveled up or you could get certain items um or like in the secret of mana series you could level up your weapons by getting orbs and things like that. So, and actually, a lot, a lot of RPGs have sort of given up on like the whole stats numbers, just because like no one really gives a shit about that anyway. Since it's well, it's uh, you know, I think that the level number in itself, just the n- level number in itself, yeah. is 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 kind of broken. And I think I think if you it, try to get away from it, you might find something that might be better. Well, it made sense in Final Fantasy 4 in that you learn certain spells at different level, like at different levels. So it, it did make like at level 90 you learned medio. So there was this like I do need to get to level 90 yeah. so I can learn medio. Um and you know, that was in D&D is like, you know, a level 20 monk is a badass, but a level 10's not so much and a level 1 is like but you know, so, it kind of what you're talking about Ben, it kind of sounds like a suit or an attempted solution that they tried to work into Final Fantasy 2 hmm. because in that game there are no game levels or there are no experience yeah. levels. You have you have like sword experiences and axe experience and and all these all these different experience uh, 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 stats for everything on your character. You even have left hand or right hand experience. Not not meant in the connotation that uh, that sort of sounds. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and some would go up and some would go down, and that just frustrated a lot of people. In fact, the original uh, NES version. Uh, the ROM that's floating around is just dreadfully infuriating to play. I, I actually, they, that's they, that's how I played it. I played that version. They took that off for the GBA version, and the GBA version is still pretty broken, but it's playable. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy II is not exactly one of my favorites. And then you have Final Fantasy III, where they introduced the class system, which you, I think you used points to basically get a new class, and... It was interesting, and I I played it a good bit, but it was like, because they had this class system, it sort of made the story less important. So they, with Final Fantasy IV, they went back to story, because they were like, we went a little too far in the technical direction, we need to pull back and go back to story. So, and like, Final Fantasy IV, like, it got away from a lot of the technical stuff and decided to focus more on the story. And I think it's like, that's probably why I like it the best is because it actually has, it's a very simple story, but it's really powerful. Like you really, when you go to the moon for the first time in Final Fantasy four, man, you're like, I'm going to the motherfucking moon on the whale. And it was a great feeling. And I mean, and that's, I think, I think a lot of the early RPGs didn't have a lot of the story stuff and they were focusing more on trying to be like D&D 
And as they realized that that wasn't really the reason people were playing, they were actually playing for the story. They focused more on the story. And so yeah, you, you don't had, exactly have a game master yeah. holding your hand. You need a story written in there already. Exactly. And so that's why the, I like JRPGs. When JRPGs figured out that it was really all about the story and not so much about the actual role, you know, the traditional type role playing, they it re- that was the golden age of JRPGs. Like with Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy V. Because Final Fantasy V has the class system in it. But it's still really good because it has a really good story. Chrono Trigger, which I I held up as like the best JRPG that has ever been made. Like I I've played many JRPGs, but none of them actually approach Chrono Trigger. It's just too beautiful. I mean, 15 separate endings. Um, all the characters you don't hate any of the characters. All the characters are well fleshed out. They're, none of them feel extraneous, and you. You can play that game so many times, not just because of the end, you know, the multiple endings, but because the story is just so good. You can just go back and play it over and over. It's just, it's just wonderful. And it, and it had great art. It had great, great music. Yasunori uh, Mitsuda did the uh, music for it, and he's like one of my favorite composers. And. The, the battle system was really good. The having the uh, the combo system the combo system was really good in that one. And I and actually they made seeing the enemies work. It was like the first RPG that that worked where you, where you could see the the bosses. You know, it wasn't random battle. You could see them and it totally worked. Aside from yeah, like the intro RPG. And that's one thing I enjoyed about Chrono Trigger was there were their enemies on the screen. You can choose to try to run around mm-hmm. them versus having to do a fight. Yeah. And I think that that's what one of the strengths is, is because uh, it's, it's aggravating. It's aggravating if you want to play a game for the story. And and let's say you, you did you did lots of grinding. Okay, I, I did all this grinding, so now I can just get through the story for a good couple hours. And all of a sudden, you know, battle. Random. Yeah. Or aggravating when you're lost in a dungeon and you're trying oh, to find a way out. Uh, you're like, yeah, why or, didn't I buy an escape pipe? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my god, I'm down to my last last potion. I gotta get out of this place. Oh god, oh god. Run, 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 run. I'm losing Because field. the whole idea is you level up only through through battle, so they decide to just give a random battle system which which is based off of which is based off of an algorithm. I believe Final Fantasy uses an algorithm based on how many steps you take yeah. at times, how much time you're in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's it. And you know what? I knew that some guy figured it out, but I'm not that guy. So I'm not going to pretend what it is, but I, I like it where you can choose to do battles. 
he can choose to run away. He can choose to not even get into the battle. And Crunchyger really had that, which I yeah. think is one of the strengths there. Also, the other strength is you know, just that beautiful artwork. Oh God! Of, uh, I mean, it was Gary Toriyama. The, the artwork and it, the artwork is so good in Chrono Trigger. But I, 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 the reason I say I actually like random battles. I'm like one of those weird people that actually does like random battle. Uh, and prior to Chrono Trigger, if it wasn't an adventure RPG like Secret of Mana or Zelda, if you had the enemies on the screen, it tended to be really crappy because you could really easily avoid all of them and unless they were right in your path and then you had to fight them. And like that just felt so artificial. Like especially like in Zelda Zelda 2, like all you could see all the little bosses on the uh, main screen and it's just it just felt sort of I don't know, just sort of forced. Whereas in Chrono Trigger, they were the the enemies were doing things, which was really cool. Like they would be drinking from the water if they were if they were dinosaurs, or uh, or when you went to the me- medieval period, uh, you would see some of them sleeping or playing together or things like that. It was amu- They did so many little amusing things that it felt like you were actually in this world. Like it wasn't just like oh, I'm just going to tell you a story. No, this was an immersive world that you were in. And And especially with the time travel aspect of Mm -hmm. where you can just see how the the modern age, Chrono's time changes every time you go into the past. And, you know, first, first there's a, first there's a, there's a statue of, of Magus, and then you come back and it's Ozzy, and then you come back and it's mm-hmm. a nice, peaceful city. Yeah, and, and I also liked how the continents moved, you know, like from 65 million B.C. They changed to like, I think it was like 15,000 B.C. was like when the zeal uh, bit took place. And, and then the sunstone and the moonstone. Oh, and- yeah. I mean, the... And, like, you didn't have to do every little thing in the game, but there's just so many little things that you could do that just, like, made the game so much better. And, like, you could try to beat the game without Chrono, which gave you a special ending. You could you could get... You could get um, made... you could beat the game in five minutes. Y- yeah, you could beat the game in five minutes, which was always fun when you'd uh, leveled up your characters <laughs> to 99, and then you... you Chrono and Marl just get together and go, let's just go kill Lavos. But like, I always said Lavos, but uh, yeah, Lavos, Lavos, whatever. Potato, potato, but, um, let's call the whole thing off. Yes. Probably. It's probably Lavos because that's probably more like the Japanese translation and also lava. Ha ha. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Though. I really, I've always dug the night, the 1999 scene where you see Lavos come out and uh, and like they're all fucked and he's like shooting his little those those little uh, missiles over the place and then like this was and like I forgot what the quote was when the world like ends it's like this is not and then the future refused to change yeah that was it and oh man it just it was such a and then like the joke in the joke endings were really good like the one where everyone's a dinosaur or uh or when the girls decide to rate every single male character in this in the in the in the, in the, the game that was really good oh that I, I could go on actually i could just keep going on about prone trigger but anyway let's let's move on to another one
about Earthbound. You talk about a game that had uh, that did oh. away with the random battle system. Uh, that one had a pretty creative system as well. Where yeah. uh, after you leveled up enough times, the enemies on the uh, on the playing field would actually start running away from you. That's actually ah. creative. And and you could you could chase after them, and if you catch them, it would just skip the battle altogether, and it would because you automatically would, defeat them if you catch them. What? Is that how it goes? You automatically defeat them if you catch them? Yeah, because it, the game figures out that if you entered into a battle with them, you would you would basically win in the first in the first round, and they they'd never get an attack. So right. why even go into battle? It just lets you win automatically. Which is a really cl- which is a really clever way of doing that. And I like um, Earthbound just had a lot of clever things like that. And the smell cards that came with uh with it was really awesome. Because I, I, I didn't ever get it with the smell cards, but I do have a copy of the strategy guide. Yeah. Well, the strategy guide came with the game. I don't think there was ever a, a normal box copy of that game. Okay, then I, somehow I got the strategy guide without the game. Oh, that's like, weird. Well, I, it was at GameStop, so I think what happened is, is someone brought in a bunch of like strategy guides and was trading them into the, um, into the store. And I, I snapped the hell out of that Earthbound one because I had I have a copy of I think I have a copy of Earthbound or it might be I might have sold that but anyway um, I just really wanted the strategy guide because yeah, I never stra- had the strategy what? guide is the strategy guide is worth reading even if you don't play the game that is no I've, re- I've read the strategy guide hilarious. that is the most creative strategy guide I've ever seen yeah it, it, well Nintendo put a lot of love into the strategy guides during that period like. My favorite is the Link to the Past uh, strategy guide, which has all the Hyrulean history and it even has like, here's what they wear and here's their, you know, here's what they did in their average day. And it was it, it made the world seem even more real. So, and then like Link's Awakened, but after, I would say after Earthbound, they didn't do that as much for some reason. And I don't, I don't know why. Earthbound also had a feature of letting you play with one hand because it had the same sort of battle system as Dragon Quest, but instead of having to click on stairs and click on doors and everything, mm-hmm. you could basically do everything by just pressing the L button. And right. I think if you ever needed to cancel something, you just press the select button. So you could just sit there with the controller in your left hand and operate everything that <laughs> way. And I was like, wow, why aren't more RPGs uh, doing this? Is that so you level up the right hand? <laughs> no. And that's yeah. that's when I said I need to get myself the ASCII grip so that every yeah. RPG can be like this. I I did drool over that controller so much, but I just never had enough money to get it because you know you had to import it, and importing was very 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 pricey. It's it still is thanks to the yen being you know more powerful, but but it was really prohibitive to buy that sort of stuff so I always drooled over getting that though I did get the multi-tap for Secret of Mana though it was like you know at the end of the SNES's lifespan so woohoo got my multi-tap for 10 bucks I'm gonna play Secret of Mana for the 30th time it's probably gonna be the last time I'm gonna play it on the SNES so what was the worst what was the worst uh, uh, leveling system in in a in a, in a sprite based uh, JRPG, a would you say? Sprite-based, or are we calling all? Well, for me, right away, I already mentioned it, it's got to be Final Fantasy 2. Uh, that, that game is just... Uh, I think I, it's just annoying because stats go down if you aren't like 
if you aren't keeping up with uh, certain weapons. And... Yeah, that I'm not. I'm I'm actually. I don't really mind that one as much. But in can I do a non-sprite one? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Final Fantasy VIII. Fucking oh, Final yeah. Fantasy VIII. I hate ten Final takes Fantasy. the cake over eight. No, see, ten was trying something new, whereas eight was just a big fuck you with the. You see, okay, because I I forgive Lunar for its system because it was right up. It came right out front and said, "This is the system. Whatever the main character's level is, is the level of the um of the bo- of the bosses." Whereas in like Final Fantasy VIII, that never happened in the Final Fantasy series, and then just here it is, out of nowhere, and if you weren't ready for it, you were, le- you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to level Squall, you know, and then you get, like, other characters that haven't been leveled, and they're, like, dying left and right, because the, bo- you know, the enemies are just too powerful, and I just hated that so much. And also the I- magic system was just terrible. Well, the magic system was right in the level system where you assigned yeah. yep. drawn magic to stats, but... You know, like I said, that is that was just that was just that was just what Square thought was the next logical step from the materia system from from seven, which really wasn't that bad because yeah. materia the weapons the 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 using the weapons made the materia grow. Yeah, and you could, which which isn't that bad. It it it's some micromanaging, but yeah, but well, it, 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 it only an, takes about five minutes for you to get it. It was an extension of the Esper system from uh from Final Fantasy six, which. Was I liked the Esper system where you know you 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 equipped a magicite, you had the power to summon that Esper, or you and you were learning the spell, and so it made sense for Final Fantasy in Final Fantasy VII. They had the Materia system, which allowed you to you know use spells and you know put attributes on the on the weapons. It's just that you get to eight, and it's like it. You had to find magic draw point to draw magic from enemies and and assign yeah. ass, or, or 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 convert items to drawn magic and yeah. But but look, eight was eight was a mistake. Eight was bad. Eight was cum- cumbersome. But ten, the the flow chart, the the freaking flow chart. Do we need to talk about the flow chart again? No, 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 no. no we we don't need to bring the flow chart out because if I <laughs> if I stare at that, I'm going to stare at that for like the rest of the night because that thing is so convoluted. I've, I've I've worked as a contractor to separate, several separate jobs last year, and I've had to fill out some 1099s and do deductions and all that, and that was easier than the fucking flowchart system. And I actually system. had more fun doing it because I was thinking, you know, if I do this, I get more of my money, money back. Yeah, yeah. it's a, let's see, let me get some of my mobile phone bills. Oh yeah, <laughs> that but was like, more exciting than than trying to figure out the flowchart. Okay, the flowchart is just. They wanted you to buy the friggin' strategy guide. That's what the flowchart was. And I guess the reason I'm not so, like, I don't consider that my least favorite is, by that point, I had just given up on Square. Like, I didn't <laughs> care. Anymore. I was just sort of like, okay, I'll play 30 minutes of this, and we'll see where this is going to go. Oh, my God, this is shit. I'm not going to play this. And also, here's the thing. Final Fantasy VIII is the reason I did not play video games for six months. I played that game. I got. I don't even know how far I got in, and I just it was shit. And I put the controller down, and I said, "That's it." And I did not play video games for six months because I was just so pissed off with Final Fantasy VIII. That game was terrible. It almost destroyed my love of video games. That's how horrible eight was. 
And like 10, yeah. I just sort of like when people are like 10 is horrible, I say I agree, but I don't. I guess I'm not as holy like, shit. What are you looking what? Thirteen system. Oh Jesus Christ! Don't it's, even it, get... it's, it's like a three dimensional version of the flow chart. It, it, it's it's a, it's 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 like you have planets and galaxies and what the fuck is this shit? Uh, well, my problem my problem with thirteen is just oh. I, I don't care anymore. I really <laughs> do not care anymore. I mean, when See, for I'm... me, the, the only the only reason Final Fantasy thirteen exists is for. Uh, Yuri fan art yes. of Vanilla and Fang. That's that's all we need. <laughs> okay, yes. just look at that and and what 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 is this? Is is, is am I am I pl- plotting a, a, a am I playing a Star Trek game or, or a Final no. Fantasy game? It's no. You need to go out and buy the strategy guide. That's what this is. I mean this this is not intuitive at all. Because, like and I also, said, they took it and made and added a third dimension to it because they're like people are confused by it. What this needs is a third dimension. No, what they said is, how can we sell some strategy guns? And that this is well, I mean, okay, so I played Final Fantasy Eleven, and that's the MMO, and that was pretty good. I just didn't have enough time and effort to put into it. And then twelve, twelve, Jesus fucking Christ, twelve is shit. <laughs> You can literally put the controller down, and it plays itself. And when I did so that... So it's a perverted game. Oh. <laughs> How often does that controller rumble? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wait, wait. I didn't think about that. I, hmm, I may have to rethink this. But anyway, like, <laughs> I was... Okay, so I got the demo of Final Fantasy XII. I brought it home, and we were playing it. And my fanboy roommate, who had not given up on Square at this point, was and I'm like, this game is shit. It's playing itself. And he's like, no, it's not. It's not. You're you're making shit up. Blah 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 blah. And um, I think my husband had taken over the helm at this point, and he put down the controller on the table and just sat there as the characters were beating up on this boss and he just, we were just all staring at the screen as the game is playing. And we're like, yep. And we're like, this is crap. If it plays, if it, if it's, if I don't have to do anything, then it's not a game. It's a movie. And that's why I really, I just couldn't even get into 12 just because it was like, no, this, they took the final fantasy 11 system and tried to do something with it to make it a, a home game, you know, just a you know a single player game, and it just didn't work. It was just they exit they accidentally made the next evolution of Advent Children. You just sit there and watch it. <laughs> yeah, Advent Children, a better RPG than Twelve. system for 13 come from i'm, I'm still just flabbergasted looking at this thing it, it's like it's like it's like they made the jj abrams decision of what this needs is lens flare yeah lens flare lens flare lens flare um but 13 just pisses me the fuck off because the sequel almost came out before the actual game <laughs> like i wanted like they had like okay so when they announced 13 they had already announced all these sequels and i was like what and 
one of the sequels, I think, nearly came out before the game because the game was so... Well, it was honestly not their fault with the game uh, because Sony kept changing the specs on the PS3 throughout the whole process of the development of the system. Like, when when they approached Square and, um, and Konami and said, we're going to have the PlayStation 3, would you like to go ahead and start working on, like, Metal Gear and the next Final Fantasy... They gave him the specs, and Kojima, you know, started working on on, on Metal Gear Solid Four and and all that. And then they changed the specs on them, and like Kojima had to scramble to. Re- I think he ended up like having to rewrite the game or something ridiculous like that. And then over at over at Square, they're just like, "Fuck." Because, like, it's obvious that Square can't write a tight game. And so I can imagine, like, if you've written this game to some specs and they've changed them on you, you're like, go, my fucking God, this is going to suck. And that's why it got delayed was because they had to go back and, like, rewrite some of the code. And in the meantime... They they were being yelled at by Square. We're losing money every moment. We're we're delayed the game. It's like nah. I don't even know what the story of thirteen is. I didn't even care. I just when I heard forty eight hours into the game, it gets good. I'm like fuck that shit. I don't. That's like telling me that the series gets good twenty five episodes in. I am not going through. T- oh uh, oh, can I skip that that forty hours? No, you have to know all that to be able to understand the story. Yeah. Yeah, it's so so the thing about, you know, Final Fantasy making sequel sequel to games, it's it, it's just it, it's just such a bad sign because, you know, 13 wasn't that good a game anyways because I actually looked at someone showed that 13 is it's the most linear Final Fantasy game ever. Mm-hmm. It's there there is no world map. It's just basically, oh, here's a path. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they got rid of the world map, I was done with Final Fantasy. Yeah, I when I saw the first the first um like sp- shots of it and then they were talking about it's all gonna have a world map and all, I was like, that's not Final Fantasy then. I mean, call it something del that's I guess that's why I guess I'm a bitter gamer nowadays, is I'm just getting so tired of the sequels that I'm like ready for something new and like I have found some new stuff like Mage Gauntlet for iOS, which is just sort of like a Zelda clone, but it's fun. The 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 art style's really good. You you go around bashing enemies and it, it's a it's a fun time. You have a fun time playing it. But like I'm really t- I don't want another another Final Fantasy. I'm tired of it. Like and like then they had Final Fantasy 14, which was the biggest clusterfuck ever. They ended up giving away the game for free, I think, for a full year because it was so buggy. Like, and I'm like, God, just please give up on this. Please do something new. Like, I want some new RPGs. And please try stop doing gimmicky um, battle systems like like time-based. Like, you have a certain amount of time to beat the game. Well, that's not an RPG. That's a totally different genre. I, I don't want time limits. I want to be able to just explore the world. And I think that's what's been lost in a lot of these games is like they forgot what what a, a, an R, a JRPG is really about. It's about you can explore this world, you get to know this world, you get to be part of this world, and you kind of get to do your own thing, which is, you know, you get a lot of that in Zelda still. But You want to be a part of this world? 
Yes. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's just it. I, I guess like they've taken away a lot of the like with Final Fantasy, they've taken away a lot of the free flowing that I liked. But and now it's just sort of like, yep. Just in a, it really honestly, we could take out the RPG element, and this really honestly could just be a shooter. And if it had been a shooter, because like if, when I first saw Final Fantasy Thirteen, I was like, so is it like a shooting RPG? Like, do I get to like, is it kind of like an adventure RPG or something? But no, it's not. It's just crap. think of like um well like uh i don't mind new like fighting like new battle systems like like okay one of my favorite rpgs is panzer dragoon saga it's my third favorite rpg like chrono triggers first final fantasy 6 is second panzer dragoon saga is third and panzer dragoon saga has one of the weirdest uh like battle systems in that you have four cardinal points that you have to fight on and moving on those cardinal points takes a turn and you can only like store up to three slots like you basically build your meter and you have three slots and you can either use those on an attack or a move and this gets really harried like in some of the battles like where what happens is is like if a cardinal point turns green if you stand in that position you won't get hit by the enemy at all if you're in a neutral part you can get hit by the enemy if you're in a red spot you are definitely going to get hit and it is going to be devastating if it's especially if it's a boss and so you're just basically there are some battles where you literally for two hours are just spinning around about the boss you're just spinning because you got to keep moving because that red is just you know, get enclosing around you and you're just moving around and you're just hoping that you can pause enough, you know, you get enough time on one of the points to build up enough for an attack. Mm. And like I, the first time I fought Altom, I thought, uh, I thought, Oh, oh this is one of those battles where I'm going to lose. Right. Cause there's no way I've already been fighting this guy for 20 minutes. Um, I'm obviously doing something wrong here. I'm probably supposed to lose. So I lost to it. And and it said, you know, game over. And I'm like, I'm supposed to beat it? And that battle lasted two hours. And that was just midway through the game. I've heard of epic life, epic battles, but that's... Yeah, wow. yeah, like Panzer Dragoon Saga is, like, epic as all goddamn fuck. It is... It, it not only does it have a good story, a really good soundtrack, and it is it is using the hell out of that Saturn. It is trying to get those 3D graphics out of that Saturn, and that Saturn is not liking it. And it's not a matter of the poor Saturn CD is like, um, you know, going back and forth accessing you know information. It's a matter of no, this is pushing the limits of the system, and it is is one of the best RPGs because it's just, it's got a great, 
great. And the battle system's great. It's one of the most innovative battle systems I've ever seen. And it's sad that this team never got to make a game again. Like they, some of the people came back for the Orta game that came out for Xbox, you know, but that was a shooter, but, uh, There'll never be another Panzer Dragoon saga, and that's really sad because, like, and the fact that there's only 5,000 copies of the English, you know, the American English version, that's really sad, too, because the game goes for, like, $200. But, you know, there's other ways of getting the games, which I won't go into, because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what, what surprised, what shocked me about that game was just, I started it up, and it was literally, like, a solid half hour of FMV and not, not like what you're used to seeing, like the really crappy FMV you normally see on Saturn. Mm. It was actually fairly high quality for a 32 bit console. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know they could fit this much FMV on a single Saturn disc. Yeah. And it just kept going and going. I'm like, sooner or later, I'm going to have to insert disc too. Yeah. It is amazing what they did with Panzer Dragoon Saga. It really is like, at times, I didn't think I was playing on a Saturn. Like, I really thought, like, this was... Now, admittedly, for the time, the graphics weren't all that great. Because, like, my husband makes fun of the game and says, Oh, hi, 1993 would like its graphics back. <laughs> um, but it was... Like, is, this, is this running on these on the Super FX? Yeah, I, it's not that bad. But it is, like, compared, to, compared to some PC games, it definitely was... Um, very poor, but it was, it didn't, it, it was doing, it did as best as it could for like the Saturn. And, you know, Sega didn't really have much experience with like 3d animation in that, in that generation. Like they had planned on the Saturn being a 2d system. So Panzer Dragoon Saga working is, is, is a feat into itself. So if you've if you ever want to play a really good RPG that, you know, doesn't like it's not overrated. Don't think that this is one of those games. It's just expensive because it's rare. And, you know, when you get it and you play it, it's crap. It's not a very good game. This is a very good game. And it's it's disappointing that it's never been ported to anything else. And I think part of the reason is, is it's a Saturn game. And I can imagine it is going it would be hell to try to port that game. Like, I mean, Panzer Dragoon, like, they did make a PC port of Panzer Dragoon, but there aren't many ports of Saturn games unless there was, like, a, a PlayStation version, which is really sad. Yeah, it's usually and, the PC versions of, like, Saturn and Sega CD games that we get on other consoles. And mm -hmm. anything that was Saturn exclusive were SOL. Well, it's because of the hardware, which I won't go yeah. too much into, but it's just basically when you have two clock speed uh, processors... Um, there's going to be some problems and, you know, it's really sad that the set and like a lot of the RPGs for the Saturn are really good, but a lot of people didn't actually play them at the time because, well, let's be honest, the Saturn wasn't very popular. And I admit that I was one of those people and I got my Saturn much later on and I got to experience all the wonderful RPGs that were on it. <laughs> Brondia was on that one, 
Remnant, or am I thinking of PlayStation? It was on both. It was yeah. started on Saturn and then was ported. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I had a PlayStation, and I friggin' hated my PlayStation. I, there were, like, the, like Sweet Coden is probably, like, one of the best RPGs for the system, Sweet Coden 2. And there, Sweet Coden is actually, like, I love Sweet Coden because, like, you've got the 108 characters, and, like, you can take the craziest-ass characters out into the battlefield with you. Like, I'd take all the chefs with me, just because it was just fun to go around like, Yay! I have a bunch of chefs! Let's go beat up on things! I mean, that, and it, it had a good story, and, and, and it had a lot of replay value, so I liked that game. But then, like, I have lots of bad memories of the PlayStation. Like, Beyond the Beyond is utter shit. And, and then Final Fantasy VII. Okay, so Final Fantasy VII. Oh, God. Okay, not one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I'm not going to say, I fucking hate Final Fantasy VII. I don't fucking hate Final Fantasy VII. The, it, the, the part in Midgard almost redeems the game for me because it was so good. It felt... It, polished? It felt, yeah, it felt so polished, so good. And the backgrounds were wonderful, and you're just, like, into it. And then you get outside of Midgard, and that's when the game starts to fall apart. It, it, it sort of stays on the rails for a while, and I'll say once Yuffie shows up, that's when it just that's when it just fell apart. It was just crap. Like at that point, it it just became let's just tack on some characters. There's sort of a storyline going on here. Oh look, there's the end! Yay! It just it, it fell apart, and there was so much going for it because like some of the mini games were really good. The um, Chocobo racing, yeah. Well, part of it was, you know, it's, uh, part of it was, you know, it, uh, this was the disease that Square had at the time. You know, Xenogears had the same problem where the final, the final half was rushed and hurried, and yeah. you know, that that's it's basically, oh, that's all there is to it. Yeah, well, that was classic Square. Like, um, I think there was some issues with that with Final Fantasy VI. Like, they were way behind. But Final Fantasy VII, I think, suffers the most because it, it, it. it it built up really good and then it just sort of because they 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 were told what happened is is that there was supposed to be a fourth disc of Final Fantasy 7 but by the it, but then they were like the the higher ups were like no 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 one has ever done a multiple disc game for the system yet how can you be like already up to disc 4 this is getting expensive like, it really was, because they had, I think, like, they had to pay per disc or something like that was the deal. And so they had to cut it down to three discs. And because of this, it didn't end. And that's why we got the ending, like, ten years later with Advent Children, which was even more confusing. Now, there, there is the, the popular theory that Eris was supposed to come back. And there is, there are some vestiges in the game that kind of suggest that, like, there's certain spots in the game where all the characters are on the screen at once, and there's always that one empty spot that seems like someone should be there, and it always yeah. made me wonder if she was supposed to come back. I kind of got that feeling that like maybe she was going to come back at the end, maybe as like maybe as a spirit or something like that, because like the ending sort of hints that she came back or something, because like the ending is like there's Earth, she's just standing there, and then all this like. Earth shit's happening, and then suddenly we see Red Thirteen with his children, and that's the end. 
Well, one thing to also keep in mind about the about the seven is it's just really odd. If you revisit the area where Aerith dies, you can't really go there because there's like a fish blocking the stairway, and that's like such a very artificial way of saying, "Oh, you can't go back here for a reason." Yeah. And that makes you almost think, "Why can't you go back there?" Yep. Just Final Fantasy, and like uh, Vincent, Vincent is one of the characters that just didn't make any sense. Like, why is he here? Okay, so he's a vampire, and he's sort of related to Shinra, I think. I thought he was, was Shinra's dad or something. Yeah, something like that. And like, I don't know, like a lot of the characters, like, okay, like Yuffie was like annoying as all goddamn fuck and had no place in there. And then, like, Cat Sith was an interesting character, but they didn't really do much with him. He because you don't even really see the real Cat well, Sith. Because... But that's fine. That's fine. I'm fine with not being able to see the real Cat Sith, but they didn't really do much with him. Instead, they wanted to do more with, like, Vincent and Yuffie, who are, like, the characters I feel were the most extraneous of all of them. Well, you didn't even need them. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Like, why are they here? I don't know. And that was that was a disease that um, that Square caught. Like, especially, like, with, um, with Chrono Cross. Okay, so Chrono Cross, the sequel to Chrono Trigger, it had, it had some big shoes to fill. And unfortunately, it didn't have any feet. Because... (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so it didn't have a leg stand up. Yeah, it Okay, so Chrono Cross has a beautiful soundtrack. It has beautiful character design like by by Yasunori Misuda and Nobuteru Yuki did the uh character designs for it, which, you know, was kind of weird after the Toriyama designs, but still I allowed it because I, I love Escaflone, so I like Nebuchadnezzar Yuki. And so it was really pretty, and, and the, the, the music for the series was a lot more mature, had matured since um, Chrono Trigger. So, you know, you got this feeling of, this is a more mature Chrono Trigger, right? Except it wasn't. It was just like, so we're going to kind of hint at Chrono Trigger, we're going to hint the Guardia's there, it had lots of beautiful things, but it sure didn't have any beautiful dreamers. Radical oh, dreamers, I just said. Oh, yeah, radical dream. Which, radical dreamers is actually okay. It's just hard as fuck. And and was never released in the United States. But there is a fan translation, and it is an incredibly hard game. But, like, Chrono Cross pissed me off because they hinted at a world that was much bigger, and it just never was there. Like, okay, so you can go between the two maps. That's boring. You keep hinting that I can go to Guardia, but I can't. So I'm stuck in this archipelago. And then there were so many characters that just didn't matter. Like, you just needed... Once you got them in the party, they, they didn't matter at all. In fact, they had an algorithm in the game where uh, basically all the text was the same, but they had, the, they had like this accent system where it would just put in the speech mm-hmm. impediments of each character. Mm-hmm. And so it, they really had no involvement in the story whatsoever except to say these scripted lines in their own way of speaking. Yeah, and so it and so all you needed was Kid, Serge, and uh and Glenn. That's it. That's all you needed to beat the game. Those the, if you put those three together, you had the perfect party and you beat the game. Um, I just remember horrified by that huge pink dog. Oh that's like, oh my god, what is that? Is that a boss? 
Woo! Oh, wait. I, I, okay, but I will admit that I did like the part where you're the um, the lion dude, which I can't remember what his name was. You know, the bad guy, the kind of bad guy guy um, who had the Harl, you know, the... Oh, uh, Lynx? Yeah, yeah Lynx. I kind of liked the, that part. That was an interesting part of the game, and I thought the game was going to get really good after that point, and it didn't. It just didn't. Like, there was so much that could have happened with that game, but it didn't. And that was, like, the that was the summer of Square, if I remember. They had that big promotion. that They had uh, Threads of Fate. It was Threads of Fate, Chrono Cross, and Legend of Mana all came out that, that summer. And there was, like, some promotion. If you got all three, you got some promo. And I have the Chrono Cross clock still. Um, in fact, that thing's on my desk and will never leave my desk. Uh, but Legend of Mana was also another game where it's like all the ex- ex- extraneous characters, except that it didn't like Legend of Mana was not good because it was so short and and like it didn't have it was like this is like Secret of Mana, except it really wasn't a lot like Secret of Mana. It was more it was more platformy. It, was, it wasn't as adventure RP like it wasn't like the original Secret of Mana. And I just didn't like it. Like that was a really bad time for Square. But anyway, I'm well, I think it's still a bad time for Square, honestly. Oh well, I mean, Square Square has well, <sighs> Spirits Within was the thing that broke them. I mean, Spirits yeah. Within would have been a good RPG if you know they had made it an RPG. But then for- they did a movie, and then they did the fusion dance with the NX. Yeah, which I always thought was hilarious that NX won in the end. Because they really did. They they bought Square. And then decided to call themselves Squenix. Brandia, you mentioned that earlier. Mm. That I think is one of the one of the few uh, shining lights on the PlayStation. Yeah. Specifically because it is a center port. But uh, I actually got my I actually came into uh, possession of a uh, of, uh, one of the demo discs with Brandia from from Japan for the Saturn, and I popped it in. And I'm like, wow, look at that! Look at that that frame rate! Look at how much better that is than the PlayStation, mm-hmm. which just chugs. But uh, that that game had a had a fighting system that I love because normally games that have active time battle battle I just kind of I turn that off because it's annoying when I'm in a in a menu and I'm still getting attacked. But this game is one of the few games that did active time battle right because you have all these spells and each spell has a different time limit on it or, or it has a different speed so that if if you think you're gonna get hit you could pick a weak spell and then. And then your uh, your time battle or your time limit will just will just cruise and you'll smack the guy really quickly. <laughs> or you could pick a really hard hitting spell, which will just kind of slowly creep along, and you just pray that you don't get hit or because you'll get screwed yep. up if that happens. And at the top of the screen, you just have all these all these uh, all these time bars, and they're all going at different speeds, and you're just hoping that your guy will attack before the enemy does. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going, go 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 go. Come on. And it is. It is one of the most frantic fight systems I've ever played. I love that game, 
unfortunately, the English translation, the translation itself was okay. The voice acting was not. Because uh, the lead character is like, I, I'm off on an adventure. I, <laughs> I can't do the voice. He's, well, he's so annoying. Because they literally got people out of the office to do those, those voice acting back then. Because, like, oh... God, I remember voice acting at the 90s. Maybe I can find a clip of that. I'm staking my pride as a man and my soul as an adventurer on this treasure hunt. I'm trying to think of some, if there were some RPGs for Dreamcast I liked. And Fantasy Star Online was one. Because I kind of like, I kind of group MMOs into RPGs. And yeah. Fantasy Star Online was, I liked Fantasy Star Online. It was sort of like, it. it was an MMO that you could just sort of pick up. You didn't have to really invest a lot of time into. And there were always people at your level that you could go form a group with and go play. Um, I'm trying to think. Guild Wars was kind of like that. And I think Monster... I haven't really played much of Monster Hunter. I think it's like that. And that's the kind of MMO I kind of like. Is like not, not a lot of emphasis on spending a lot of time on this sort of casual. Because... I admit that I don't have as much time to uh, Michael as as much as I used to, or grind, I guess is the other way to put that. Um, So a lot of MMOs turn me off because I, you know, the the time investment that you have to put into them just sort of, uh, like, I tried playing Final Fantasy XI. Everyone was getting way ahead of me, so I just finally gave up because I was like, I am never going to be able to join a guild, especially since I also lived in a house full of WoW players, and they, I, 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 heals, heals, heals. Why, why aren't you healing the tank? Blah blah blah. I need buff, buffs, buffs. Why are you not buffing? Okay, I, I just, I, I have that stuck in my head because I, I would hear that like, from the lobby all the time. You have a 32.33% chance, uh, repeating, of course. Uh, Let's do this. Leroy Dragons! Yeah, it was like, and then they would just sort of drone on about, like, I, I want so-and-so to do this, and, like, this time we're going to do this. And, and, like, you could just hear it, like, constantly. Okay, like you someone... use mocking laugh. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. You, you have to, you have to, Buff the tank. Okay, we, yep. we need we need the healers in in the second line. Yeah, exactly. And it was like that continuously in my house, like twenty twenty four seven. There was someone playing WoW on that machine in the lobby. So, or and then like they would like they would have their own computers in their own room, and they'd be yelling across the house. Did you see what that idiot did? Oh my god. Leroy, you dumbass! Yeah. And and and, and <laughs> like they they hate they hated rogues, so it was always like they were raging about rogues. Rah! Oh, good times. like some recent RPGs that have come out that um, that I've liked 
And unfortunately, we're we're unfortunately in a period where there's just like sequel, 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 sequels. You know, which is getting getting kind of getting old, or remakes especially is kind of getting to me lately because. I mean, I don't mind that they're re-releasing a lot of this stuff, but I'm kind of like, I'd like something new. Thank you. Please, sir, I have some Back more. Back in the 90s when we got new new stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, there, there, like, there is some new stuff. Like, there was a new Atelier game that I think came out last year, and but I found out it had one of those bullshit time limit things on it, and so I was like, I don't want to play that. And, uh... I know there's several, like, my Mage Gauntlet for iOS, I've already mentioned that one. Uh, I got, and let me see what else I got on this damn thing. I don't have much, much on here, because I mostly play with the DS. I got Shining, I got Shining Force, which, uh, is actually sort of Haja, which was for Game, Game Gear eventually, uh, uh, originally. And, um... And that was a good that was a good little strategy game. I like that game. But uh, the the funny thing is is if you played it on Game Gear, you had to be you had to have an AC adapter attached to it because unfortunately, like when you attach the AC adapter to the Game Gear when it was turned on, it would shut itself off because I think they didn't do the wiring correctly or something, and it would just shut the system off, so you'd lose your game. And the poor Game Gear did not have enough battery power with fresh batteries to get to the first save point in the Shining Force game. Yeah, I know. And, I, I uh, play that game the proper way, which is Shining Force CD. Yeah, yeah, and and my brother was the one who owned the Game Gear, so I'd constantly cackle at him because I owned a Game Boy, and of course my battery life was awesome. And he was always like, this thing takes too many batteries. And he eventually got the battery pack, which, like, extended your lifespan from 30 minutes, I think, to an hour or something like that. But oh. I know. And, oh, and it takes forever to charge. And it was freaking huge, too. Like, it was like um, like a laptop. It was like a laptop AC adapter sized. So... And he 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 was always like, "It's in color," and I'm like, "And your battery life is ass. Who look, cares?" I can save in Final Fantasy Adventure. Yeah, look at this. Look at me playing for ten hours straight. Do 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 do. You know. The but, cool thing about about sort of Haja on on uh, on Sega CD, the Sega uh, the the Shining Force CD, is that uh, that was actually the second game in the Game Gear series, and it. And uh, Shining Force CD actually merges the first and second game, so you get both games in, right. uh, in one package, and you can take your save data from one and move it to the next, and then there's right. a third chapter, and then there's like a final chapter. So instead of buying four discs, you have one disc, and then obviously later on they're right. like, wait a minute, we can release these separately <laughs> and call it Shining Force 3 and we'll make more money. Yeah, and then they... They revisited that with the fa- the Fantasy Star collection for uh, uh, Game Boy. No, I, I have that. What they did was Camelot, who did the Shining Force series, moved to Nintendo, and then they made Golden Star. Okay, that's the one and I'm thinking. That of. uses okay. that yeah. uses the same system. Okay, yeah. Um, and you can you can tell because the battle the battle uh, scenes are very Shining Force esque. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Man, Camelot. Where's my um? Where's my new uh Mario Golf? Camelot, Camelot, Camelot. <laughs> Silly place. 
Don't let your model. Yes. <laughs> but I'm yeah. serious. Where's my get? Where's my new Mario Golf? I want my new Mario Golf. Anyway, get back to RPGs. started playing those games and i'm like oh my god why have i not been playing these before uh, because because master system <laughs> yeah i i i have to admit i wasn't playing uh, uh fantasy star one on the master system because uh, i don't own a master system and i plan on never owning one also the the u.s translation of that is pretty wretched yeah I mean, it's pretty bad one of my one of my one of my favorite mistranslations is that you fight a mad scientist at some point in the game because he has the, something called the like pony pod or something. Yeah. And you have to go get it. And whoever did the U.S. localization decided that that was a character on its own, so they called him Doctor Mad. Yes. And what's funny is you fight more than one mad scientist in the game, but for some reason they thought that this was a character, and it's not. <laughs> it's right. Just they, random guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, translate. Like honestly, I heard that like back then the way they did translations was like the spreadsheets so it was like really hacky but I mean they didn't really give a shit back then and honestly there wasn't a lot of dialogue in games back then either but um there is a a new fan translation of it which is really good Uh, one of the one funny note on that is that it does have one instance of English in it (laughs) Alice Alice has a spell called translate but which, by the way, is a spell that I never used the whole the whole way through the game. I don't know what it does, but it, yep. it, they they have it listed as transrate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, it, that, I think that, it allows you to talk to certain things, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I tried doing that, and it just said, you know, so and so didn't understand what you were saying. Yeah, like, okay. I, I I don't remember where you used it, but. I liked Fantasy Star is like one of those really cool games. Like it, like the main character was a girl, which was like really refreshing, which I liked. And I didn't own actually, I didn't own a Master System until much later. I'd only played like on a friend's Master System, so I didn't get very far back then. And then I got eventually got a Master System because I'm a completist and I've got like over forty consoles. So, and I, I gotta say like. The, ma- the Master System had a few RPGs for it, like uh, Wonder. I think Wonder Boy was one of them, and uh, and, and the, think, Gold, yeah. Gold Valley is, which yeah. is the game that you can't turn around for some reason. You yeah. can walk backwards, but you can't aim the sword in the other direction. Ex- yeah, the Master System unfortunately was like um, like not very good because it was like during Sega's. So we're doing a console for the first time stage, and they weren't really like there yet. They well, 
it was like the third stage in their SG. Yeah, whatever the it was. It was the Mark the Mark Three, as it was called in yeah. Japan. Um, and then it was uh, reported to back to Japan mm-hmm. with the new Tonka design that came out. And, yeah. uh, Tonka design. And they added they added the FM synthesis chip, which we never got in America. Yeah. Strangely enough, a lot of American games are compatible with that. Yeah, I'm raising my middle finger to the sky because, like, fuck you. <laughs> Um, there is one variant, like, this is a quick little aside, but there is one variant of the Master System I've always wanted, which is the Master System Girl, which is a pink Master System that has a has a transmitter that, back when, you know, TV would get things over the air, you could broadcast your TV, and it was a handheld, which is really cool, and even though I, if I ever get one, I'm probably just gonna play with it, like, once, but... That would be worth playing some Fantasy Star on that. Um, what I really love about Fantasy Star is that it, it has that it has that anime style that I love. Oh yeah. Uh, in Fantasy Star Two, you go into this weapon shop, and it has this guy with with red uh, '80s heavy metal hair, and I'm like, yes. Yep. This is a, this is a cyberpunk game. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I, I love I loved how like in the um, in the '90s. When you buy RPGs, they'd have that shitty Western art on the front, Any and game. then yeah, Fantasy Star was had some of the worst. I know, and then you turn you get you get into the game, and the art style is totally different. And uh, and oh, uh, Nay isn't a devil woman; she's actually a cat girl. Yes, and or like Final Fantasy IV, which had the um the so they took took away the beautiful Amano artwork and replaced it with... So there, So Nintendo Power had, like, this guy, I think, that had done some RPG art on staff. And, in fact, he did some art for the um, Link to the Past strategy guide. Um, he did the artwork for their Secret of Mana special. And, and his artwork wasn't terrible. Like, I, I, I'm not, like dissing him his art was really good it's just that when you saw that art and then you played the game it was jarring because you're just like so this character has like yellow hair but then they have green hair in the game and like that it's totally anime looking and that always look how cute these characters are in the game yeah what's with the box (laughs) yeah like the beautiful amano art in the game and then this american rpg art on the box. And that always like got to me because like, as I said, I lived in Japan. So I was like, I knew this was anime and I'm like, why didn't they just use the original art? You know? But the answer was, is that back then they believed that Americans would have ran screaming from anything that was Japanese. Boy, were they wrong? Well, yeah. Cause, uh, <laughs> well, they ran, they ran the screaming towards anything Japanese. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, like earlier, uh, we we're flipping through the channels, and the Daytona 500 was on, and there were Toyota cars. In fact, the Pace car was a Toyota, and they were bragging about how it was a Toyota. And I'm thinking, uh, what? <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I think we went through a lot of the topics, don't you, Green Neal? Oh, yeah. Or do, do we have anything else we really need to touch on? Uh, let me look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got it. Yeah, we pretty much got it. Nailed it. All right, we got yeah. it. We nailed it. The all right, so this was our little special on console RPGs. Uh, I'm your host, Ben. 
with TV's Mr. Neil. And Kitty Hawk of SGBY.com. I like swords. And welcome to Canaria. Sword Chucks. Whoa! Welcome to Cornaria. I like swords. Right. And we're saying goodnight. Goodnight. If you would like to hear more about console role-playing games, we recommend Retronauts and Active Time Babble on 1UP.com, Roleplayers Realm on PCWorld.com, and on YouTube, check out Happy Console Gamer and Pete's Game Room. Okay, Scott.